Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. A Baker's Dozen at the Zetland Hotel by Ian Gordon Chapter 8 The Other Side of the Glass Mary Henderson was another late arrival. The young mother of two had spent the afternoon in Middlesbrough doing some last-minute Christmas shopping. She'd wanted to be done and on her way home to Firely before sunset, but the children's letters to Father Christmas this year had been extensive. Starting out in Scarborough a little after 9am, she'd been forced further and further up the coast in search of all the seemingly unattainable bits and pieces the kids had requested. The department store in Whitby wasn't stocking the items she sought, and the toy shop in Gisborough had sold out weeks ago. Where was a mother to find a copy of Minotaur Dungeon, for goodness sake? Thankfully, Boydell's toys in Middlesbrough had everything she'd set out to find. If only she'd thought of good old Boydell's to begin with. But now she had to get home. A nervous driver at the best of times, Mary had no intention of making the journey back to Filey in the dark. The direct route over the bleak and treacherous moors was out of the question and the long way round, via the A-19 and the A-64, was far too traffic-heavy. There was nothing else for it. She'd have to find a place to spend the night. There had to be somewhere with availability nearby. Having turned her nose up at a number of shabby chain hotels on the outskirts of Middlesbrough, she decided to brave the A-174 and headed towards Saltburn. A series of bungled manoeuvres, involving the jumping of a red light near Redcar, and a brush with a wobbly cyclist in mask, saw Mary pulling over by the rather grand and aptly appealing Zetland Hotel. How fortuitous! But was it merely chance that had lured her there? She certainly thought so, as she parked up in the wonderfully manicured grounds, and proceeded to the hotel proper, in awe of its stunning exterior its neat sash windows and red-brick façade, the relentless climbing ivy and the pillared front door. A silhouette appeared in one of the windows on the first floor. She waved without thought, and was touched when the stranger waved back. Then in she strolled with her head held high, excited by this dramatic departure from the norm. Marvelling at the grand entrance hall, Admiring the antique portraits and the flawless statues surrounding her, she approached the reception desk with a huge smile on her face. The man on the other side of it, a rather ordinary-looking chap, she thought, mirrored her grin, which only bolstered her delight. "'Hello!' she practically yelled, her voice echoing throughout the broad hall. "'Good evening,' returned the hotelier, his voice flat and emotionless, clashing with the grin plastered across his cheeks. Looking for a room for the night? I am, Mary confirmed. I've got just the one, the grinning hotelier declared, turning to the key rack behind him. Great, Mary bellowed, relieved. Unhooking the key to room eight, he turned to Mary again and asked, Your name? 
Mary Henderson. The hotelier scribbled the name down in the guest book before him. As he filled out the details, his handwriting slow and measured, Mary caught sight of a piece of paper on the desk. Two rather unusual words jumped out at her. Confess and repress. Unusual in that such words didn't belong in an upmarket hotel, didn't belong in any hotel, as far as Mary was concerned. She couldn't put her finger on it, but there was something off about that piece of paper. What did it mean? And why was it just lying there for all and sundry to see? A payment? Mary asked, distracting herself from the paper. On checkout, the hotelier stated, then took off towards the stairs, gesturing for Mary to follow. The mother of two paid no mind to the huge vault-like door at the top of the stairs. She simply followed the hotelier along the corridor to the west, and stopped alongside him by the door to room eight. Inserting the key into the lock, the grinning hotelier said, I imagine you'll be rather comfortable in this particular suite, madam. I'm sure, Mary agreed. I can't wait to see it. Opening the door, the hotelier stepped inside, and Mary followed. On the instant her booted feet made contact with the soft carpet within, she let out a gentle squeal of excitement and beamed anew. If anything isn't to your liking, the hotelier began. Come see me at the main desk. Mary nodded, her attention focused on the contents of the suite, the gorgeous floral wallpaper, the majestic four-poster bed, the weeping fig by the window. And, of course, the hotelier issued his caution regarding the occupant of room 13, but Mary barely heard it. She wasn't in the least interested in the activities of other guests. She was lost in the moment, ready to make the most of what very well could have been a difficult situation. Thank you, Mary said, as the hotelier left her to it. What a room, she mumbled, then threw herself on the bed like a drunken teenager. She gazed up at the ceiling for a while. Even the coving was elegant. A dazzling chandelier hovered above her, crystal and brass. Beautiful, she whispered. Making a call to her husband, who, unsurprisingly, was concerned with regards to her whereabouts, she reassured him that all was well and that the requisite gifts had been obtained. She promised she'd be home first thing in the morning and said good night to him, telling him to pass on her love to the boys, Dexter and Mitchell. And that was about all she could manage. The hustle and bustle of the day caught up to her all at once. She closed her eyes and was instantly asleep. When Mary awoke later that evening, she felt eyes on her. It took a moment or two for her to adjust to her surroundings, the chandelier above her far too bright for her waking senses. She climbed to her feet and went in search of the light switch. Locating it, she flicked it off, choosing to rely instead on the glow of the little lamp by the bed. She scanned the room, searching for the source of that weird feeling. Nothing under the bed, nothing in the wardrobe, nothing in the ensuite either. And then she looked towards the dark curtains, 
the thick velvet curtains beyond which only a single pane of glass separated her from the world outside. Was something on the other side of that glass, floating there? She took a hesitant step towards the window, her tired eyes still struggling to focus on the shadowy realm beyond. There was something on the other side of the glass, the translucent silhouette of a person, a small person, a girl. Uh, hello? Mary called timidly. As in response to the sound of her voice, the figure without acquired substance. In a matter of seconds it was opaque, a black shadow in the shape of a child. Hello? Mary called again, taking another step towards the window. And then the thing spoke, uttered the same few words it had uttered just a short time ago, when addressing the young lady below in room two. Can I come in? All of the joy, all of the satisfaction Mary had felt prior to falling asleep, faded to black the moment she heard that voice. It was a cold, clinical voice, foreign to the creature, spouting words it had replicated to fulfil a purpose. Mary, full of anxiety now, stood motionless, her gaze drawn to the strange caller. The longer she looked at the thing, the more she saw, her eyes adapted to it, and she noticed its gaping mouth, its coal-black eyes. She desperately wanted to lunge forward to close the curtains, anything to blot out the sight of the creature. Can I come in? came the voice again, as terrible as the first time. Mary was lost for words. She could only look and wince as the rubber-like face of the floating girl studied her, watched her intently, held her gaze almost effortlessly. What do you want? Mary managed, observing the peculiar way in which the creature's head appeared to be bobbing up and down ever so slightly. And again came the words, Can I come in? Ignoring the plea, Mary, overcoming her fear, made a mad dash for the curtains. She struggled frantically to break eye contact with the thing as she neared it, made a considerable effort to cover her eyes with her hands. But those murky pits were like black holes. They drew her towards them. And once they had her, once they had her, Surrendering to a higher power, Mary reached for the curtains with both hands and, miraculously, succeeded in pulling them closed. What became of the thing on the other side of the glass, she refused to ponder. All she knew was that she didn't have to look at it anymore, and with a bit of luck wouldn't have to listen to it anymore. What the hell was that? Mary demanded of the empty room. But the room didn't answer, and there wouldn't be any answers till later that evening, a little after midnight. Thanks for listening today. Join us again tomorrow for the next part.